Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And Dominique, we're, we're recording this on January 11th, which is Panda's birthday. It's oh. very exciting. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so she is, she's 17 years old, which is just astounding to me. Happy birthday, I always think of her, Panda. Yes, happy birthday. I always think of her as a little girl. And, you know, and, and she's, she's 17. So she has been a working guide for 15 years which is pretty astounding. You know, it's such a joy that horses live yes, for such a long time yes, compared to yes. dogs. Yeah. You're, you've had your, your little babies, have you? Yes, God, yes, yes. So we have two baby goats in the barn who are totally enchanting, two little silver babies, a, a boy and a girl. And, and the birth, uh, how did the birth was easy? It, it went it went wonderfully. It was um, in the middle of the night pa- or as they in the middle of the course. night. So they were there to greet me in the morning, which is actually the way you want it, where everything is done and dusted and everything is OK. Oh, okay. Um, so you weren't there. And there they are. You weren't there when they were born. They just happened naturally. I was. Yep. OK. Yep. Which is what goats do. Yeah. They're, they're good at popping them out. Yeah. So, so two, um, two what? So they are two girls? A boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So they are related to the um, Elian and Peleus. And from the looks of it, they're going to have the same gorgeous kind of coat. Have you and named them? Right now they are, uh, the little girl is Thistle, and the boy is Thaddeus. Okay. <laughs> All right, so two new little goats to play with. Two new little goats to totally distract me and keep me from the computer, mm. which is which is what they are doing. So it's, even though it's freezing cold, I go out and sit and sit with them and they climb all over me and um, they are just amazingly cute and I love watching them figure out the world. Mm. So uh, and every day I change something in their environment to give them something new to to explore or some new physical challenge for them and already she's uh she's showing that she's much braver and she's super athletic just like her half sister hmm. um so they're going to be they're going to be a fun a fun pair to track hmm. so so and, you'll and keep actually, us you'll keep us posted on their evolution I, I, I dare say there will be a few baby goat stories. That I'm sure there will. And now you're ready for them. I mean, I remember last year at this time of year, you were kind of building as you were. They were already there and you were still, you were calling it, you were building their castle or I don't remember how you called it. Their, their goat palace. Their palace. Yes, yeah, we, right. we put an extension. We, we extended the roof of the right, lean-to right. that's on Which the side of the barn to, to make it. Now more functional. Yeah. That is all done. And you have more you have more experience too right, right now. But I did I did have to, I well not have to, but I built a wonderful um, platform arrangement for them so that they can climb up and over and around and they have this it's just a great goat jungle gym for them. So that was that was the fall project. But this this actually brings us to the topic for today because 
I, I just published the, um, the second half of the conversation that we had New Year's Eve. And I was talking about the goats and I was sharing the training I was doing with patients and how much further ahead she was of the other two, Verity and Felicity, just because she was getting a little bit of extra time. Yes. And it was so interesting noticing how much of a cumulative effect mm -hmm. that was having as, as she got that little bit of extra attention every day. Her training was jumping way ahead of the other two. And you had, um, at the end of the first podcast, you made the announcement that one of the things that we wanted to do was to include in the podcast questions that some of our listeners might have, that if people had questions or topics that they wanted us to discuss, that they could send us, that they could contact us. And you uh, shared with everyone the contact information that's on the website that you go to the equocity.com and scroll down to the, there's a contact form. So if you want to send us questions, if you have comments on any of the podcasts, we love hearing them and we love hearing the um, uh, people want to share their impressions of the podcast. We love getting reviews. And if there are topics that people want to hear discussed, stories stories or challenges yep yep that people are going through so we had somebody who emailed in and and she was curious about what it was that i was teaching patients okay I, well that's a good question it is i really didn't say that i i just said i was working with her but i didn't talk at all about what i was doing with her mm -hmm. and there are a couple of interesting things that are worth sharing and or there may be the launch for one of our, oh, let's go off on this tangent. I like tangents. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've been working on with all three of them is cooperative uh, putting on of equipment. So the goats typically wear a collar. And the, uh, the goats that are at the convent where these goats come from, they all they all wear a collar and they wear the their their collars all the time. They don't. Um, she doesn't take them on and off. And I haven't left the collars on the three girls. It made me a little nervous. Yeah. Having collars on, particularly when they first arrived and they had their collars and the collars were kind of loose because they were still really tiny and. Well, there's always a risk leaving an animal with equipment. Yeah. When they're not being monitored. There's always a risk. Right, right, right. So when they, when they, right. So, so when they went off last summer back to the common, they were weaned and then they came mm -hmm. back to me. They came back wearing these collars and I took them off. And, and the collars also, it makes it too easy to grab them. Right. So if you don't, if you don't have, if you don't have, if you don't have a handle <laughs> on your goat, it's a little harder to grab them. So so you have to train. So it meant that I wanted them to be really good putting their collars on and off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've been, and, and I also had bought a dog harness, uh, one of those no-pull uh, style of harnesses, because I wasn't sure whether I wanted to walk the goats in a collar 
or in a harness. So I wanted them to wear both. One of the things that I've been working on with all three of them was that I could hold their collar out and they would basically put their heads forward into the collar. Mm-hmm. So they're up on their, their boxes. And, I don't know, I'd have one goat come out and, and, and they're up on their grooming box. And I taught that if they put their stretched out their head and, and um, into the collar that they would get clicked and reinforced and that gradually they would hold the, so they would stretch forward and feel the, the pressure of the collar against the base of their neck and I would click that and then I could hold it there longer and then I could snap the collar on and then I could take it off as well. Well, that was what I did with Verity and Felicity, but with Patience, I went another step with her. So she's up on her box and I can hold the collar out a foot or two or three away from her and she jumps down off of her box runs over and stretches her neck out and puts her collar her collar on mm. which i i really loved and i can do the same thing with the harness so the other two girls are up on their grooming box and they will stand and they'll put their head through the front part of the harness and i had to work both on putting the head their heads so they would they have to duck to get through the the collar part of the harness. And they also have to duck to take it off because they have horns. So mm, they had to learn how to, yeah. So, you know, it's like, okay, now that you've got it on, how do I get it off over your horns? Mm. So the the teaching of removing it so that, so they have to duck down to get out, to get the collar off or the harness off. So they will stand there and I can reach around and, and reach under their belly and snap it. And now they're wearing a harness and they'll stand there and let me take it off. But again, with, with patience, what I wanted to do was to take that extra little step. So she jumps up on her box and then I walk a little bit away from her and I hold the harness up and she jumps down off of her box, runs over and sticks her head into the harness. And it's just that extra step of really demonstrating that she is actively moving into the equipment. It's not being imposed on her. You know, it's um, once you start being like that with your animal, and you know, we've been saying for a long time that mastery of little things is one of the hallmarks you, of, of clicker training, doing little yes. things really, really well. And I'm finding that what that does is once you, once you do these things, there's a gentleness to everything you do with your animals. Yes. And yes. when you look, and it's, you know, these are little, little things, but it starts there, right? When you put the equipment on, the collar or the, for the dog or the halter for the horse. And everything seems so rude after that. You know, when you look at other people um, that are not clicker trainers or do not have this sensitivity, you look at how they put the equipment on and it just feels like, Ooh, if I were a horse, I would find that rude. And I found that over the years, more and more I'm 
whispering to my animals. I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking in a loud voice anymore. You know, and it just happened yeah. gradually, I guess, um, because they're so sensitive. They hear everything. You don't have to, uh, to speak louder. If they don't do it, it's not because it wasn't loud enough. So I love this gentleness that uh, clicker training brings or that this awareness that we have of the little things that it brings to the relationship. It just feels so much more polite and kind to the animal. You know, everything can be like that. Even the way we touch them, the way we deliver the food, everything can be so gentle. Yes, yes. And it's it's taking the time. So I've been thinking about this in relation, in terms of what is a relationship and what is a connection? And because it's, you know, when they talk about a relationship is a history of reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Well, as a caretaker of animals, I can go through the barn with the idea of, I just want to get done fast. Mm. I've got other things to do. I've got places to go. I've got people to talk to. I've got a busy day. It's cold. I... Uh, I want to get on with it and and just um, I can just throw hay, toss water, but you know, fill water buckets, um, push horses out of my way, you know, get out of my way, you're in my way and and I can get the job done. Mm. And I would be delivering uh, food to these animals. I would be delivering uh, something that they very much want. yeah, and I would be doing it multiple times during the course of the day and I would have zero connection with them. yeah. Or I can take the time just as you would with a person. You know, I could I can go to a diner and have, you know, uh, some tired waitress throw a plate of food in front of me yeah. um, <laughs> and make no connection, right? Mm -hmm. Or or there can be a real connection and caring and, and interest in the individual that you are providing this service to. Yeah, and when we, you know, um, I don't know if everybody has heard of clever ants, but they are so in tune to all these little things that we do. Uh, yes. It may, it may, if, if, I mean, just to summarize it really, really quickly, and people can Google it. Clever ants was a horse um, at the beginning of the last century, at the beginning of the 19th century or, or 20th centuries. Yep. And he became very famous because people thought he knew how to count. Um, and he, he kind of became like a, almost a, a circus um, animal where he was being showed to crowds. And so the scientific people uh, got interested in him and started... Um, because, of course, at the beginning, people thought maybe the owner was, it was just an owner's trick. Yeah. Had to be some kind of a yeah. trick. Yeah, and so they took right. the owner out right. of the equation, and the horse still knew how to count. And what they realized was that when at least one person was in the room with the horse who knew the answer to the equation that was being presented, the horse would get the right answer. Right. And when there was no longer someone in the room knowing the answer, he would not know how to count. And so they realized that what the horse was actually doing was not counting, but reading 
the people in the crowd. And somehow there's something we do when there's the right answer. I don't know if it's our heart rate or pressure it was or whatever. something in a the bl- eyes. A blink of an yeah, eye. Right. Or, but so the horses are very, very... And so right. it became an actual... Uh, it, it's it's um, the clever ants effect is now it's a, it's a thing called clever hands after the name of this horse. Right. Um, so yeah, they are so sensitive. There was a great so it's like they they had this you know oh this horse who who seems to be doing math this can't be this can't right. be because that that flies in the face of all of our notions about animal intelligence right. especially in at that time and and then when they f- discovered that uh he was just really really clever at reading body language it's like this huge sigh of relief of oh good horses really aren't intelligent <laughs> it's like wait a minute you miss the look at how brilliant this horse is at reading our body language yeah. but he he was quite he, he was on the cover of was it time magazine or some magazine it wouldn't have anyway. been time, time no because he was european no but i mean he or 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 newspapers he was but famous he was, it right was he was famous sensation. right and yeah, the clever the clever yeah, it was he, he was a german yeah. Yeah. horse i think wasn't he yep. hans and the, seems like the, a german name but i mean people can google it it's a it's a very yeah. interesting story and the actually. the clever hans effect of course re- refers to in research that you think your animal is um is counting or 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 is doing color discriminations but really what he's doing is is reading your body language and so how do you set up your experiment to take to take that variable out of the equation yeah you have to hide yourself <laughs> behind a screen with me what i've always wanted to do in training is not fight the clever hans effect but use mm. it so if my horses are brilliant at reading my body language I want to make use of that and incorporate that into my training. But it's it's interesting to know about it because, you know, especially when you start to want to put things on cue, yep. uh, to be aware of this effect because sometimes you may think that this is the cue, but there's something else you're doing that is actually the cue for the animal yes. that is kind of overriding what you think particularly verbal cues yeah you think oh my horse knows my horse knows the word trot it's like okay let's test it right um and and then you discover that oh actually what he was reading was your body language and you though he had no clue what that noise that you were making um had any significance which doesn't mean that horses can't learn verbal cues they absolutely do yeah it's just that oftentimes what we think the horse is listening is responding to is not actually the the active cue right and and like um, you said you you can also there are some great sides to this because you know sometimes i know that personally i'm thinking oh how is he going to discriminate between this thing that i want to teach and this other thing and somehow the horses do because, you know, there's a nuance that they catch, which right. is extremely subtle, but for them, maybe not that subtle uh, not because that subtle. of that, right. you know, clever hands effect. 
that they that that it's that expression when you think different you are different mm, and yeah. which at first particularly when you're saying this to a writer it's so frustrating what do you mean you know because it's just tell me what i'm supposed to do tell me you know what what i'm supposed to do with my seat to make my horse i don't know turn to the left or turn to the right or stop or whatever it is and and the the answer is well when you think different you are different <laughs> yeah. it's like ah i don't know what that means <laughs> well you know when you think about the canter you're you can if you're an experienced rider you can't you can't think about the canter without it changing your body in some subtle way mm -hmm. and the horse picks up on that yeah which has taken us a long way away from uh that's what we do uh, yes we we have tangents this is truly a tangent it's a good tangent yeah. it's an so excellent back to tangent where you i like were. it we, you were talking so, so about we, the we extra were, we were time <laughs> spent yeah well we were talking about taking time mm. and that that that's part of building a relationship and you know it's taking the time to teach an animal to come forward uh to its its halter or its collar versus just putting the halter on yeah. and and you know um even when you put that collar on there's so many subtleties there too and i'm not going to start with the start buttons again but although I love it uh, but you know if you're going to put the collar on and the animal backs away a little bit just like a, a step what are you going to do are you going to push the collar on his you know like move the collar towards his face or are you going to wait for him to come back into the collar this makes a big difference for the animal. Yes, yes. Well, it makes me think of um, an example that actually turned up on uh, the Click That Teaches Facebook group this week. And it was a story that Rebecca Schultz, who's organizing a clinic for me this spring, and who was one of the, one of the people who was, who was with me this summer in our summer adventure with um, at Anya Barron's and then going on to Italy to Michaela Hempens. And we had a, the postcard from Italy that we sent to you. Mm -hmm. It was a, someone, one of the summer podcasts. And at her boarding barn, um, they the boarders got together and bought a vacuum cleaner. And she said at first she wasn't so keen on having a vacuum cleaner because she really enjoys grooming. But then she thought, well, you know, it might be useful for various times when, you know, he's really uh, shedding or something and, and that it would be a good exercise to introduce him to the vacuum cleaner. So she was observing what the other people at her barn were doing to introduce their horses to the vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. And essentially what they were doing is putting the horses on the cross ties mm. and vacuuming them. Yeah. And and the horses were kind of walking back and forth and you know um, moving to the left, moving to the right. Uh, they're limited in how far they can go because they're on cross ties. And then just standing there tolerate accepting it, being um, tolerating vacuumed. It. And yeah, and the the owners were quite pleased with this mm. with the way that their horses were uh, standing for the vacuum. Hmm. 
And Rebecca looked at this and thought, I don't think so. Mm. So she was describing this process that she's been going through to introduce her horse to the vacuum cleaner. And, And it was very beautifully chunked down, you know, beginning with uh, letting him target the hose. And um, she she described the whole process of first she would, she had him target it, then there she would pick the hose up and move it around, but the vacuum's not turned on. And yeah. she would let it, uh, when he was comfortable having it uh, moving around in her hand, then she would touch him with it and click and treat as she touched him with it. And then she'd stroke him a little further and, and, and all of this without the vacuum turned on. And then finally, she got to the point where she could turn the vacuum on, but not with it actually touching him, et cetera, et cetera. And she sh- shared these beautiful pictures of this horse who's not tied, yep. he's not on cross ties, He's, on, he's got a halter and a lead on. I think the lead, if I'm remembering the photo correctly, is thrown over his back. Yeah. And his head is down. His eyes are soft. He's beautifully relaxed. And she's introducing him to the vacuum cleaner. So a little bit of extra time in the introduction, but years of easy vacuuming ahead. Yeah, and think again of the connection of the relationship. So if we talk about, if we say that relationship and connection is really what it boils down to, is taking time. Taking, because she could have said, all right, I'm gonna put you on the cross ties like everybody else, and just, I'm just gonna get it done. Mm. And most horses will tolerate it. Occasionally you'll get the horse that flips over backwards, <clears throat> breaks the cross ties, mm. injures himself, and then you have six months of veterinary rehab. Um, so but, that's not a good but deal. But even if you don't or, have that, very often you have a struggle all the time for yeah, years and years. Yeah. So it's but even if they just stand there and accept it, yeah, you haven't tolerated. built a, you yeah. haven't you haven't built you haven't added value to the relationship. Yeah. And I think so. for a lot of us, you know, p- the people who are drawn to clicker training, I think that it's a key element for all of us, the relationship, the connection. Yeah. I think that's what brings us to clicker training because that's what we want in the first place. You know, when I'm, when I'm with Woody uh, and uh, in the arena, when the... Um, the door is open at the other end, not completely open, like, um, you know, half a door. We, My favorite thing, there's nothing I like more than doing this. We always enter into the arena and we go all the way to look at, you know, what's outside together. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that moment that we share there, you know, just looking together out to the mountains and the other horses and... The connection I feel with him when I'm there, it's just, it fills my heart, you know? And for me, I mean, there's nothing, nothing can top this. Yep. You know? So I guess it's it's this community. It's taking the time again. Because, so there it is again. You start thinking about all of those places where you take a little bit of extra time. Because you could have just said, Oh, come on, Woody, I've got places to go and things to do. Let's get on with it. Let's work. Or 
let's go work. Or you could pause and look out the door with him. Yeah. So you start thinking about, I'm going to have, I'm going to, you know, really think about this as I go through my day of where are all those places where I take that little bit of extra time or where I maybe could put, could add a little in. How could I enhance the relationship by staying that little bit longer uh, with the horses um, instead of just Put, taking their evening mash out and putting it on the fence and walking away. Um, do I want, actually, I don't think I want to stay there because Robin uh, likes to share his mash. <laughs> <laughs> With you? <laughs> With anything and everything that's um, around. It, it's quite extraordinary how much he manages to how spread he his mash. He, 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 he sucks it up into his mouth. This is not one of those things one really, this is more information probably than people want. And then well, he, um, he, he, he spits it out onto the rail and the rails and the floor and then he licks it up and, oh, it's a mess. Okay. So there's it's a, a little bit of extra time there too to clean up around To him. clean it up. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so maybe I won't, I, that's probably why I don't linger as he's having his mash because yeah, you want your I'm sure clean. he would share it all over me. Yes. Mm. And it's got flaxseed in it and there's nothing messier than flaxseed. Yeah. So, it hardens so that, too once it's uh, yeah. dry. Mm. Yeah. So that won't be one of those places where, where I add a little extra time. Um, and he always, after he finishes his mash, he always comes and finds me and, 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 and wants a hug. And, and he always has, you know, his, his, I don't know how he gets mash all over his face when he's mm. eating his mash, but he manages it. So yeah. he thinks it's delicious. It's not tidy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, that the, for me, though, there's, it, there's the time. Absolutely. But I would say that there's also a softness to how we gesture around them, yes. uh, how we yes. touch them. It's more than just time. There's like, um, I don't know, there's an intention of, there's a softness. Yeah, and love, I suppose, in the end. But even if you wanted to describe it in a more scientific way, there's maybe... It's not harsh, you know, when you when you start working like this with your horse, everything softens up, everything slows down. I know if I were a horse, I would much prefer to be at the other end of this. Yes. Mm. Yes. Because you, you, you see a lot of, and, and I'm not talking about beating horses up here. I'm just, just like a normal, everyday barn. You see a lot of abruptness. And people don't realize it because, you know, they don't feel at all that they're being abrupt. But when I look, I find there's a lot of harshness in, you know, the way horses are asked to back, um, everything, you know. Yeah, well, and it's if, if that's all that you see and it becomes the norm. Yeah. Um, you don't notice cause, and, until there's a contrast. That's right. Very true. I have a, there's a, um, a new equine resident at the barn, um, which is, is really been a, a delight. So my, Bob Viviano has been a client of mine forever before, you know, uh, we probably met 
1993, long time. And he's been my stall cleaner. So when I travel, um, Bob is the one who's always come and, and takes care of the horses for me. So he is a very treasured friend. And he takes care of a lot of horses. Um, now that he's retired, he's, he's, he takes care of he's the horse sitter for a number of horses. And he spends a lot of time at a horse rescue in our area and, and helps them out enormously. And a horse that he had under his care needed a home. And so he adopted her. And then he needed a home for her. So she has come to live at the barn. And it's it's been a delight having Bob back in the barn. And one of the things that I so enjoy is exactly what you're describing. So this horse doesn't know, very, she's, she's very kind, she's very sweet. She doesn't know very much. So we're going through the foundation lessons with her. She's she's learning the basics. Mm -hmm. And right now she's learning about mats. And she's learning to stand on the mat while Bob walk, walks around her. So and then so he can stroke her and walk behind her and, and click and reinforce her. And then she'll he'll take her to another mat and and do the same thing. And what I love when I watch them is what you're describing, this real softness that when he strokes her, when he runs his hand along her body, there is a gentleness to it. There's nothing harsh or make it happen. Well, that's what I noticed when I first saw you handling a rope. You know, that softness, I saw that. And you know, one other uh, trainer, which I find a dog trainer, that when I look at her, I love how gentle all her gestures are. It's Kay Lawrence. Yes. Yes. She's very gentle, you know, so soft with the... And it's it's not surprising to me that um, you were in one of the recent podcasts, you were talking about being aware when we deliver the food, not to click and shove food in the face of the animal. Right. You know, it's her that uh, came up with that. I don't know what exactly... That what phrase, the, click and shove. <laughs> that phrase, click and shove. But I'm not surprised that it came from her because she's so gentle and so aware of the difference that this softness makes when you include it in your everyday uh, interactions with the yes. animals. Yes. It's one of the things you said earlier about one of the reasons that so many of us who clicker train are drawn to clicker training is because of the relationship that it creates and it made me think you know, one of the what you sometimes read when people are anti-clicker training um, they'll say oh it's so mechanical and you don't build any kind of relationship with it at all and I just it's one of those what are they talking about they have obviously never encountered either a clicker trained animal or a, an avid clicker trainer because if they had they would see that this alive vibrant enthusiastic engaged animal with this person who's absolutely over the moon in love with with their horse or their dog or their goat or whatever else that they're training uh, you know what, what I think, because I've heard that in my own barn very recently, because I was showing someone 
um, the exercise of um, grown-ups yes. are talking. And we were polishing her mechanics without the horse, just between the yep. two of us. And I heard, and so it was really practicing the smallest little things to make sure that when we would go to the horse, that it would be, you know, perfect yes. or really, really well mastered. And, and so I heard, I heard this comment, you know, about it being mechanical. And so if mechanical means that you are practicing over and over your, your mechanical skills, yes, it is mechanical. We want our mechanical skills to be impeccable so that after that, it doesn't interfere with the right. relationship. Or we might call it handling skills because it would be Kay who would be going, now, are you sure you want yes. to call it mechanical skills? Because mechanics is something that refers to a car. And yes, and it's like, oh, okay. Right. But I think that maybe this is where, and it's actually one of our strengths. Yes. That we slice things down. Yes. And it's also a strength to know the importance of practicing before you go to your horse. Yes. So, you know, if that's what it means, so if that if that makes people think it's mechanical, I want to be mechanical. I guess. <laughs> I do these, and I want to do these things before I go to my horse. All those all those details came from the horses. So they came from listening and paying attention to the responses that we were getting from the horses. To this animal that was of the species of clever hands. <laughs> right. So, you know, rather than saying, oh, well, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's no finesse, there's no, I don't know what, they, what the, 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 these comments are, but, you know, it's like, it's because we are paying attention. It's because we are listening to our horses that there are all of these details that become important in the handling because our horses have told us that yeah. those details matter. Yep, absolutely. And they are so observant, you know, that, that especially when you open the door to letting them know that their voice counts and that they don't have to just stand there mm. and accept the vacuum cleaner or just stand there while somebody shoves a yeah. bridle on their face or you know whatever it is that that they can be like darling patience who's up on her grooming box and when i hold the harness out for her she comes dancing down off her her mounting block or her her grooming box and and puts her head into the harness for me and that it's because we pay attention to those details and it's because it matters to us what our how our horses feel yeah. that those details are there you know it makes me it makes me think of between humans yes a handshake there's so many variations of a handshake yes. you know that there are so many things that can be conveyed through a handshake, it can be a firm handshake. It can be a very, um, uh, what do you like, soft, like not even soft, but um, 
weak handshake. You can put your hand, your other hand yes. over the handshake. It gives a completely different feeling to the handshake. You can adjust your handshake. So if you are shaking the hand of a 30-something businessman, you might want to be really firm. But if, yeah. if I'm shaking the hand of a 90-year-old uh, woman with um, brittle bones, I sure don't want to give the same handshake that I would give to that 30-something uh, Absolutely. And, you know, so there's the pressure of the handshake. There's the amplitude of the handshake. Because if you were playing with a seven-year-old, you might want to play like really big, big handshakes where, you know, you almost yep. reach the sky. So when you think of that, you know, everything that you can convey through a handshake, it's the same when every time we touch our horses, we convey so many things to them. Yes. And... What I want to convey more than anything is, uh, for my own horses, how much I love them. And for the horses that I meet in the clinics, how much I appreciate them and how much their voice does count. They are being listened to. Yeah, for me, this last thing, yeah, for me, this is like probably... I mean, the love, obviously, this is why we get yes. into this. But for me, I think the most important thing I want my horses to know is that their voice counts. Okay. I really want them to have that that uh, knowledge that, you know, it will be taken into account and I will not force myself on them. Which brings us back to time again, because in order for yeah. their voice to count, you have to take time to listen. And in order for their voice to count, you have to take time to address the things that they tell you. So yeah. if they tell you, I don't really like being groomed, well, now you've got to take the time to work with them in a way that... Will change that. Will change that. That's right. Yeah. Because grooming yeah. is, is a necessary part of maintaining their good health. There are times when you... You know, yeah, they can be a little muddy and a little dirty, depending upon what you're going to be doing with them. But their coats do need to be maintained because you need to be able, because in some climates you'll get rain rot if you don't keep a horse well fluffed, as it were. So, yes, yeah, so it's taking the time to make it something that they can enjoy rather than something that is simply imposed and they have to tolerate. So it all yeah. it keeps coming back to... What is that? What is, what is a relationship? It is taking the time, taking time to listen, and taking time to act on what you're told. And that also, you know, when when we want to become better splitters, it's also a matter of taking time. You know, when I go out the door with one of my dogs, who's very eager to go out, I can go down these five stairs really quickly and have kind of not a clean loop to begin the walk. Or I can take the time to reinforce for going down each and every step and yep. start the walk with a really nice clean loop. Well, the walk actually starts when you put the collar on. Yeah. 
Well, it starts even before that. <laughs> you know, when you start, um, what is the what, what is the thing that comes before the thing yeah. that comes before what you're going to be doing and with walks? Because you're, you also have a clever Hans when you're looking at talking about dogs. Oh, yeah. Their job is watching yeah. you um, and noticing every little thing. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, it, is, it is all taking time. And I think speaking of taking time, this is probably a good time to wind down this particular conversation because we certainly have covered a lot of ground and gone off on some fun tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably time to draw the conversation to a close and to say to everybody that we'll talk to you again soon yeah and do send us your questions and comments and stories and challenges we love hearing from you so you can go on our website and uh, just uh, give us uh, send us a little note that's right that's right so we hope to hear from you at the equosity.com website Um, just go down to the contact section and we'll have another podcast for you next week. Bye. We started this podcast with a description of Patience learning to get dressed. Patience is learning to help put on her own collar and harness. If you'd like to see what this looks like, I've added a short video clip to the library. To watch it, go to equosity.com and scroll down to the library section. If you haven't yet subscribed to the website, just fill out the subscription form and you'll get the password for the library. So enjoy. And I hope you find lots of time this week to take your time with all your animal friends. So have fun. And next week we'll have a new podcast for you.